One of my favorite human beings, Mitchell Allison. <laughs> Hi. Uh, I am so excited to have Mitchell on because he and I have actually known each other since high school. How so. long have, how many years has it been actually now? Okay, so I was a senior, right? So I was like yeah, 17. So, oh my God, like seven years? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, That's gross, it. but also amazing. Mitch is the OB, the original Bay. Yeah. Um, Honestly, this is funny, but sometimes people come to college and they have, like, high school friends, and I'm like, your high school friends suck. Like, my, <laughs> like my, the one I brought was great. Um, we coordinated. Yeah, We were like, hey, exactly. let's go to Austin, let's go to LA. Let's do it. Uh, so here on Love Junk, we do allow the guests to pick the poison, and anything is on the table except for... <clears throat> Gin. <laughs> That's right! <laughs> Uh, we do not drink gin here on Love Drug. If you want to drink gin on a podcast, then start your own podcast, you know? Uh, Mitch, what the hell are we drinking? <laughs> do I need to explain the, like, the reason? Tell us first, and then you can tell us what okay. we're drinking. Okay, we're drinking we're... for Loco. <laughs> oh. But, we... but like, not the the kind that has since been banned by the federal government. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> we're, we're being safe here. Which I did have. <laughs> oh, I never, I never dabbled in that. Yeah, but somehow Mitch survived. I sent Mitch a tweet once that was like, "Honestly, I should have died when I was a teenager drinking Four Loco." So anything now is just extra time. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can proudly say that Four Loco made me gay. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So why are you trying to kill us? <laughs> I mean, I just love pain, and I love, I love feeling things. So we are drinking the Four Loco. So you had an interesting question that I didn't even think about before we started this. And you said, like, how do I just, do I say, like, do we talk about my sexuality right up yeah. front? Or, so how are we going to do it? I, mean, I feel like this is like my second coming out. Oh but, my God. Uh, <laughs> Well, so, I mean, we can just discuss and it, we kind of brought up something interesting when we were talking about it initially, mm-hmm. but, so I... As of recently, identify as a queer person. Mm-hmm. Um, I came out as gay um, to, like, whenever I came out to people, I came out as gay. But as of recently, as I kind of discover more of my own sexuality and discover more of my gender, I am more comfortable with just the kind of more... Vague isn't the right word, but just, mm-hmm. like, a, a more abstract Nebulous. term. Yeah, because for me, I'm still figuring it out, so queer is a word that's comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, for the sake of your audience, I yeah. just, yeah. Um, I, queer is a word that has, like, many people have different opinions about it. For me, I am comfortable with people referring to me as queer. Okay. I cannot speak for everyone in the community as how they wish to be 
you know, spoken for. But okay. and w- for the sake of this, you're free to call me queer. You're free to call me gay. Cool. Um, the it's it's just like one of those words that sort. I feel weird saying it. It makes yes. me uncomfortable saying it just yeah. because I do know that there is a like there is a lot of negative feeling towards yeah. it from it's, a lot of people. It's one of those things too because it's it's a reclaimed slur. So yeah. it's it's dicey, and I don't even fully you know there are people who say that you shouldn't even be using that word. But for me, it is something that I actively am reclaiming. Um, and I am comfortable, like, I tell my parents they can refer to me as queer if they want mm-hmm. to. So I, I'm okay with you referring to me as queer, that I'm not speaking for anyone other than okay. myself. And that. Is there another word? Like, what do people say besides that? If they're, if they're sort of feeling the same way as you, yeah. or you sort of want a more abstract term? Because I know that there's bisexual, pansexual, which is kind of, yeah. you like, know, I would say like thing, but... Pansexual is something that's kind of a, a more... I don't even know the right word for it, but less defined or less strict identification, but also pansexuality only refers to sexuality. It doesn't refer to gender, Mm -hmm. um, which is where queerness is more about like a non, um, at least for me, a non-straight, non-cisgendered person, which I mean, I also identify as cisgendered in the, in the current, I I don't know fully, but like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. That was a very cool. roundabout way of saying, you can call me queer. Because, <laughs> okay. like, I think that the last time I, I was like, yeah, he's queer. Like, I said it, but it was yeah. like, I don't want to say it. Yeah, it's one of those things that it, it, it depends on the person. But. Well, my sister also, this is funny, because she, so my sister is a cisgender lesbian, and I was talking, you know, you say LGBTQ, and then there's one time she said, you know, a good term that we use is quilt bag instead of LGBTQ. And I can't remember, I don't know what, she wasn't like, don't say that. Yeah, but she, yeah. she brought that up and I was like, oh my God, there are so many things. And I can't remember what all, it's like, uh, uh, but that's the thing. It's like the Q stands yeah, for yeah, queer. Yeah. So it's like, uh. Quilt bag is something that I've heard thrown around, but every time I always just think of like, so, like I don't know why, but I think of um, kilts. <laughs> Like Scottish kilt bag. I, I, it's I when you're a Scottish gay. But it's also, I don't know. <laughs> maybe this isn't me, like, correct for me to say, but like I'm like, we want people to take us seriously. You, guys. you <laughs> can't say quilt bag when you're talking about the like large community of people that we are. Well, I mean, every time I see those um, like glitter graphic Jesus Christian <laughs> things, I'm like, this is why no one likes those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That and all of like, the hate crimes and stuff, but... <laughs> But like, guys, that seriously, this no the glitter us. graphics. They can get past That's everything why I hate else. Most people. Glitter I'm, graphics. I'm down with yeah. anyone, but you do those glitter graphics. Uh, uh-uh, I ain't about that. Okay, so, uh, so now that we've got all that out of the way, mm-hmm. why are we drinking four locos? Why did you pick this? <laughs> so I have um, a very intimate relationship with <laughs> four locos so the, this is, the funny thing about this is that charlotte knows all yeah. the people from mm-hmm. my past um so there are no secrets but, but really quick before we say anything mm-hmm. in case you're sitting there saying oh no i have been involved with charlotte or mitch i don't want all my dirty laundry mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. fear not we have created <laughs> a, a very long <laughs> list <laughs> Mitch wins the award thus far for the longest list of code names. You all know who you are. Yeah, so no one's going to know, but you're going to know. Um, yeah, so we have a really long list. Um, so we're going to refer to um, this person as Patient Zero. <laughs> patient Zero of my um, homosexuality. But I, so I, long story short, 
um, we both knew this person when we were in high school, but mm-hmm. I um, was really, really close friends with somebody in high school. I didn't know what my sexuality was also by the conversation we've had thus far. I still don't really know. So, mm-hmm. um, so you especially didn't know in high school. Oh, yeah. No, I was totally lost. I just listened to a lot of par- Paramore and... <laughs> But, um, just an angsty boy. Yeah. Oh, so angsty. Um, but I was I was really close friends with um, when I was a junior, the seniors in our theater department, um, and one of them was kind of this. I don't, I don't, I want to be vague, but like mm-hmm. he was a person who was very um, popular in our school and mm-hmm. was very well known in our theater department and stuff. And we were close friends and. Um, we had, like, a very, very close friendship, just, like, explicitly um, platonic, and it was a part of a friend group, so I was very close with, like, you know, these women in this friend group and the men in the friend group and stuff, and um, me and this guy would get, he was the first person that I ever drank with, I, anything with, um, like, any, like, I I smoked my first cigarette with this person, I smoked weed for the first time with this person, um, drank for the first time with this person, and so we would, he didn't live in the town that we grew up in. He lived kind of far outside of it. And so um, we would often go to his his house, which was like 45 minutes away. And we would like get alcohol. We, we called them hay bros. We would what? We would pull up outside of Quick Trip. Um, Mom, if you're watching it, now is the time to turn this off. <laughs> but we would pull outside of Quick Trip. Um, and we would roll down the window. And if anybody who was walking into the quick trip looked cool and, like, looked like they'd be chill, we'd be like, hey, hey, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... I didn't hear this part of this You story. haven't heard this No, story? I haven't heard of hey, bros. Um, <laughs> yeah, hey, bros. And so we would... Hi, Kathy. Um, <laughs> Kathy, you are not... This is me telling you, Kathy, right now that you're not allowed to listen to this. But, Kathy, um, turn it off. I've told, I've told my mom. Well, I haven't told her not to listen to it. I'm like, you can do it, but you might not like it. Yeah, I don't... Think I don't know. <laughs> if not, this will all be edited out. But, <laughs> um, and I was a young Christian boy, and, and we um, read the Bible and went to sleep. Good night. But so we we would be chilling outside of these quick trips sometimes for like an hour, just like waiting for somebody to walk by because we would do it a couple of times, and some people mm-hmm. would be like, "No," but we'd say like, "Hey, bro, um, if we give you, you know twenty bucks on top of whatever it is." Like, will you buy us, like, some Four Locos? Or would you buy us, like, a, a six-pack of beer or something mm-hmm. like that? And so that was how we would get our alcohol um, as young 17-year-olds. And um, I just used the older brother method. Not my older brother, but, like, my friend's older brothers. We're just like, Yeah, hey, this was a up? more tried and true, like, the night of we needed alcohol. We're like, uh-huh. we'll, do, we'll do hey, bro. <laughs> and so we would roll up to Quick Trip in Grand Prairie, Texas. And, mm-hmm. Um, roll the window down, wait for somebody cool to walk by. Hey, bro. Um, you want to buy us uh, some Four Locos? And this was before, like, Four Loco had been under fire. So we're talking, like, full-on Monster Energy Drink meets, like, Mike's Hard Lemonade. Um, so, the, the reason why I picked Four Loco is because me and this guy one night got hammered off of Four Loco. Um, and essentially confessed our, like, (laughs) deep-seated feelings for each other, and, um, hooked up and dated for four months. (laughs) And so, um, Four Loco has always had a very, very funny history with me. Hey, cheers to... Cheers to Four Loco making me gay. (laughs) 
Yeah, so that's why I've chosen Four Loco, is because Four Loco made me gay. Ah, uh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad, Mitchell. Yeah. It's not as powerful now. It doesn't have the same effect. So I, I, honestly, I don't wish I had tried the original Four Loco, but part of me is like, damn, wish okay. I had gotten it on So, that. just for reference here for everybody, we've drank in... Drank. 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 We, we drank. drank. <laughs> we drank it. We've drank the... Like, most of uh-huh. a single Four Loco. The ones that I had that night, he and I had split one and hadn't even finished it and confessed our <laughs> feelings for each other and hooked up. So oh my God. they were a little bit stronger in um, 2012. But so. how do we But how do we know you just haven't grown and developed and gotten taller <laughs> and bigger? And... I was also six foot two in, <laughs> in 2012, so that might be that's why. That's true. That's true. Um... We first started talking when I was a sophomore and you were a senior, mm-hmm. and we were rehearsing for our musical, and we had to, um, we were learning the music, so we would all sit by, um... <laughs> section. Yeah, by section, and so I was with the, um, I don't know if the, the, the woman who directed us. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I don't know if she ever actually believed in baritones, but I, th- I think it was with the basses. Uh-huh. But, um... So it was like the basses and the altos were right next to each other. And so you and your (laughs) friends would... Wall of sound. You explained it because you were the ones who were... So the one who was teaching us all the music, there were like four main altos. No, yeah, four main altos, Mm -hmm. which were like me and then like three of my very, very good friends. And she's like, these altos are just a wall of sound. So we actually called ourselves like group text, like wall of sound. Mm. I don't know why. I think it was because one of the girls, I'll just, I'll name her Perrin. Mm-hmm. Like she, she's great. She's, she knows who she is. She knows who <laughs> she is. No, she's like. I haven't talked to Perrin in so long. I would love to like say hey to her. So, hey yeah. Perrin, if hey, you're listening. Hey Perrin. Hey Perrin. Yeah, no, she and I like everyone. So we, we, uh, we interact on social media and then mm-hmm. I see her every once in a blue moon when we mm-hmm. get, uh, the, like the my seniors yeah. plus me and Perrin like, yeah. together. I saw um, all of her wedding pictures. She looks so pretty. She's that was gorgeous. a fun Perrin, if you're listening, I had a great time at your wedding. Your wedding was a good time. Yeah, it seemed like a great time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so uh I think the parent was the one who started it and we just decided that every day at four 27 mm-hmm. or something like that we would all just stare at Mitchell and for context so like I didn't really get to be involved in our theater program as a freshman um so coming in as a sophomore I didn't really know anybody I was quietly sitting in the rehearsals trying to learn my music as best as I could trying to impress everyone um as I mean as much as you could as a ensemble member who is a bass <laughs> and um <laughs> So every day I would look and these four altos were staring at me. And I want to make it clear that they would not like, ha ha ha, like laugh at the joke. After, like a week went by where I was like, these girls want to kill me. <laughs> and I also wish like there's, I've talked about this before with some of my high school friends. Um, my good friend, John Tarver, he and I were getting dinner with our choir director, Hutch, and he said, you know what I wish I had more of in high school? And I was like, what? And John goes, empathy. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my reaction. And he looked at me and was like, no, I'm serious. And I was like, no, I know. Yeah, but like, yeah. me too. Uh, because, yeah, we thought it was hilarious. But I didn't even think about, like, I didn't even remember that when I was 
15 or 16, if anyone was looking at me for too long, I'd be like, stop it or I'm going to kill myself. Like, you guys I'm were the upperclassmen and I didn't know anyone and I was terrified. And we did it because we loved you, but obviously you didn't know that. Yeah, like, but obviously. I mean, it worked out eventually. Like, mm-hmm. you guys talked to me eventually mm-hmm. and then we're like, ha ha ha, that was such a funny joke. And I was like, right, it's a joke, ha <laughs> um, But yeah, so that was, that was the origin of how me and Charlotte met. Yeah. And... I mean, we we did, like, so many shows since then, and then, like, we ended up, like, we didn't actively be like, let's go to UT together. Yeah, no, we... well, because also, I was I was home for a little while, mm-hmm. and then I remember I had posted a status about, like, deciding to go to UT or mm-hmm. whatever, I had gotten into UT, and then you commented, and you were like, oh, I'm so excited, and I was like, oh my god, Mitch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, not that I forgot, but I was like, oh, we're still really good friends, because yeah, yeah. we hadn't hung out in a little while. Yeah, we, we had gotten lunch, like, I think a little bit before then Mm. but like other than that we hadn't really seen each other in a while um yeah and then we like had managed to hang out um when we both got to ut and then hung out (laughs) like the entire time i used to i had a special spot on his floor and i had a formation of pillows from his bed that i would use to build myself like a little bed on his floor yeah i guess this transition transitions us pretty well into (laughs) My, my love life. Um, uh, let me let me start by asking you this question, mm-hmm. Mitch. Uh, do you believe in love? I do. I believe in love. I do not believe. Hmm, I. I don't believe. In what love is marketed as, okay. if that makes sense. Okay. I believe in love as a certain emotion that we all feel towards any person. Um, sometimes it leads to bonds and sexual feelings. Sometimes it's just bonds. For me, I love my friends as strongly as I love people that I, like, have sex with. Like, that, I, 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 and that's part of where, like, queerness to me falls in Mm -hmm. because the bonds, I, I'm such a loyal person that the bonds that I feel towards my friends are just as strong as the bonds that I feel for, um, the people that I date. And, um... Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of my answer. I I definitely believe in love. I don't think it's the way that it's spoon fed to us. Okay, but I definitely believe in it. That's very interesting, and I think that it is interesting that you kind of like like that is from the perspective of someone who identifies as queer, and you kind of uh, I'll admit that there have been times when certain people have um, no one specifically because I feel like this is such a widespread thing where you'll see someone posting a picture with their significant significant other and say something like my best friend, blah, blah, blah. And then I kind of look at that and I'm like, well, no, we've been friends for longer than you've known this person. Mm-hmm. So how can they be like your best friend? Yeah. But also I've never been in love. So I don't know if that's like a thing that you sort of, if it's a different feeling or if it's a similar feeling. So I think it's so interesting that you bring up that you kind of love everyone in the same way. Or, well, or not in the yeah. same way, but it, uh, at the same intensity, I Yes, guess. I think that's a, a, a good way of saying it. I don't know that it's the same way, but it mm-hmm. definitely is with the same intensity and passion. Because there are people, I mean, if we're looking at... <laughs> Let's get the list out. If we're looking at, and I've talked to you about this, if we're looking at Codename Car, I would <laughs> say that I have felt... And I don't mean this in a positive or negative way. Mm-hmm. I felt stronger love for you 
in specific moments that we've had as friends than I ever felt for that person. But that doesn't mean that I didn't... Get wrecked, Car. Get wrecked. Sorry, Car. <laughs> um, Car still follows Charlotte on Instagram. Car still, like, actively likes my shit on Instagram and Facebook, and I'm yeah. like, oh, no. Car still texts me. Um, <gasps> what? I don't know. Car still texts me. At this point, I heard, Car uh, knows who Car is. Car, car knows. Is um... You told me a dream that you had about Car, and it was the first <laughs> thing I read when I woke up, and I laughed so hard, I think I woke Jordan up. Like, I truly, that was the funniest thing I'd ever read, because it was so on brand for you. Well, so, yeah, so for context, for people who are listening, if this tells you anything about mm-hmm. where I'm at with romantic love right now, I I always have vivid dreams. 98% of the time I would say I remember my dreams and most of the time they, they're just nonsense but when they're funny I remember them and they mm-hmm. tell people but I had a dream this was like last week that car this person flew to LA mm-hmm. from where he lives <laughs> and essentially professed his love for me and was like I know that you were the one I want to marry you all this stuff and I, like, bonked him. Like, not, like, <laughs> I didn't hit him. I didn't slap him. I, like, bonk. <laughs> and was like, get! Go! Get on the plane and get back. Like, I was like, what are you doing? Like, it wasn't even, like, oh, like, oh, no. Like, it wasn't it was even, like, like, how dare you? Yeah. Was it like, was literally, like, get back! Like, <laughs> why are you here? Oh, my God. And it's it's truly, and that's something I've, I've, uh, pretty much always admired about you is you are so like love is great but I'm doing other shit right now (laughs) and that's not to say that you're not open to it when it comes to you because Mm -hmm. you have taken chances you do take opportunities um you like you know you're you're never closed off to it but I think that me like there are times when I'm sort of just like wish I could have this thing and you're like if it comes then great but also like I got shit to do. Like, I'm busy. Yeah. Well, I mean, full disclosure, (laughs) I think that's like a mental health thing. (laughs) 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 Like, I mean, for anyone who knows me, I have severe anxiety. And so I get overwhelmed really easily by trying to process all of my emotions at the same time. And so through life, I've learned as a coping mechanism to like focus on the thing that is in front of me at that time. And when it's love, it's love, but when it's not, I am focused on whether as a filmmaker, that's the script that I'm working on or the project that I'm working on, or whether as an actor, it's the the character that I'm learning. It's, um, I'm always focused on the thing that I'm doing and I do feel like if I, you know, whatever my positive traits are, I am very ambitious. And so for me, it's always... I, I, I got something in front of me to focus on, and so when love isn't in the picture, it's that love isn't in the picture. And so, not to, like, <laughs> like pat myself on the back. This is me patting myself on the back, but oh my God. I, I mean, just like everyone, I think about, you know, eventually finding somebody that I come, to, come home to every day, mm-hmm. but I have as a coping mechanism been become very good at like really focusing on what is the thing ahead of me right. and and working on that but also speaking of people you come home to every day are you gonna get married and can i come uh um i don't know if i will get married if okay. i do you will yes duh I you're gonna my be hands like up in the air and did jazz no you will absolutely else. be in my, i don't know what you would call in a gay queer <laughs> wedding <laughs> 
um, the the people who stand by me. But you the would, wedding party? You would be up there. <gasps> Of course you would. Okay, good, because also, yeah. confession, I want to... like, good, because, like, I've already got <laughs> I have all the... I pull out a bunch there. <laughs> it's like Mitch's face pasted over all these rooms. Um, no, but I I have said this before, but I want a co-ed mm-hmm. bridal party. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I said this earlier where I was like, I only want a co-ed bridal party if my husband or future husband will also have a co-ed bridal party, but also, fuck it, whatever, yeah. I don't care. At this point, I'm like... Yeah, screw yeah, it as yeah. you're standing in front of me or sitting in front of me um, I'm <laughs> like Mitch has to be in my bridal party so you're gonna like you're gonna be in my bridal Aww, party that's sweet of you no yeah. but of, like absolutely you would be there I um yeah like you would be there <laughs> we joked because the one person <laughs> you know who you are one person on this list was my ex-girlfriend and also my best friend so when I'm referring <laughs> to them as my ex-girlfriend I have a code name and when I'm referring to them as my best friend they have a name um, but you would be there, they would be uh-huh. there, um, the twins would be there, you know. Um, that would be such a fun... Dude, my, if I have a <laughs> You gotta have a wedding now. If I have a wedding, my wedding is gonna be fucking insane. Oh my god. I got a lot I'm gonna call up, I'm gonna call up people. the girl and the twins and be like, yo, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta encourage this, cause this is gonna be an intense party. Yeah, but I, I definitely... Is it... Your future whoever is gonna be like, what the fuck are these people doing? <laughs> right. Well, my future whoever better have a game face because mm. if they're going to be marrying me, they gotta, they gotta get with all this. If they um, don't accept you at your four logo, they don't deserve <laughs> you at your <laughs> expensive. Touch that across my fucking chest. <laughs> um, is it weird? This is this is random that I I actually have been thinking about this. I'm not the type of person who's always thought of ending up with with somebody or like whether or not I would get married. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of getting married. Yeah, but. I've thought a lot recently about how my wedding would be if I were married. And I really, really like the idea of like a swanky evening. Like a like a in a in a city, like a hotel type thing. Uh-huh. Like a lot of like you know, low light, everyone's drinking like old fashions Ooh. and like just kinda dancing on the dance floor with somebody. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I, I never think about what my wedding would be, but for some reason recently I thought about, like, that's what I would love. is kind of like a simple but formal but fun evening yeah. and a chance to, like, dance with all my... Because if I'm going to have a wedding, it's going <laughs> to be that I'm getting hammered with all my best friends. But, like, also, like, a, a moment for intimacy to kind of, like... yeah. Dance with somebody, or I mean, get Feel to Feel the heat up. with somebody, <laughs> with somebody who loves That's... Me. Loaded. <laughs> that is loaded with my Ooh, best. We'll get to that. Um, we will get to that. Mm. Um, but I love the idea of like just a really sophisticated sounds classes, but like just a, a swanky evening where like people can get together and have fun and kind of like kind of a chill like yeah like a like a we get to dress nice and feel our best yeah. and also catch up with all these people and. I love the idea, too, of at my wedding, like, pulling the person away to have a moment with them. Aww. I always think, so I, for context, have three sisters, and so <laughs> two of them have gotten married, and so I've been to two weddings of my sisters so far, and one of my favorite images is at my second sister's wedding. Um, it was in, like, this converted train station. That's where the reception was. Oh, it was wow. really cool. Which which sister? Um, Wait, you can say the older or the, the younger. The the middle one. The middle the one. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I was I mean, gonna say if you know anything one. about me, you know who my sisters are, but like I, I don't want to like, name no, no, them. No, 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 I know. I meant like older one who got married or younger one who younger got married. Younger one who got married. Okay, cool. Um, 
but I have this image of like everyone was on the dance floor and there was like there are all these kind of like whatever within this converted train station um, that's a very now bougie wedding reception location but there is kind of a overlook and at one point I looked up and the two of them were up there and like he was whispering into her ear and I love the idea of like you've come this far you know so much about each other but you still steal her away to whisper something in her ear you know as you're looking over all the people in your lives like I, I, I love that and so I love the idea of just kind of having this like very low-key, fun night with people that's not grand in any way, but it's mm-hmm. just, like, it's bringing the people together and it has a sense of importance. That's so sweet, and also you better get ready because <laughs> I want that to happen. I um, mean, men of Los Angeles. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. Eventually this will get to a dating profile. It'll be fine. I, uh, I think for my wedding, one of the biggest things that I want, it's actually funny, this was a girl that I met doing background. She was talking about her wedding. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about, like, the photographer catching all these moments. And she talked about this moment that, like, she didn't even know anyone was going to see. But it was her mom, like, praying with her before she went out. And it was both of their heads bowed and just, like, holding hands and mm-hmm. stuff. She told me that story, and I was like, oh, my mom's probably going to pray for me at my wedding, and I'm mm. probably going to cry. And, like, the fact that they captured that moment, like, I would love to, like, have a prayer with my mom before. Because, mm. you know, like, my mom my mom prays for me all the time, and I even went to a psychic, and she was like, your mother prays for you. Do you know that? And mm. I was like, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> like, I know that she probably prays for me, like, every day. But, yeah. um... Then I love my mama. That's just her. That's so sweet. I Like, that reminds me, there's... I mean, going through two sisters' weddings, you see everything about mm-hmm. it because you see, you know, your mom with your sisters prepping everything, and when you have three sisters, they all want it, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I, there, there's something that's so sweet about my young of the two sisters who have been married, the younger one, mm-hmm. um, of her wedding. Um, there are pictures of my dad coming into her room where she was getting ready and seeing her in her dress for her Aww. first time, and putting her shoes on for her. <gasps> oh my. And something about that is just, like, so sweet to me. I, I think, too, and, like, I've, I don't know. I've had all these feelings about, like, seeing my dad for who he is now. Mm-hmm. For context, I look exactly like my dad. <laughs> yeah. I, I am a How tall is he also? 6'8"? Yeah, my dad is 6'9". Or 6'9". I'm okay. not that tall. I'm 6'2". He's <laughs> He's so... He's, he's never... Like he has giant, been nothing though. but nice to me ever. Yeah. No, it's... I, I was randomly having this talk with um, Kylie Zico weirdly enough we went and got or we went to the beach and we were talking about scripts and I mean this is a tangent but I like I'm working on a script right now about like the similarities of my dad and I and how Mm -hmm. like we share a middle name both of our we are both um both of our middle names are Douglas which is kind of like a family name and he goes by Doug but his first name is James and um it's something so interesting to me like we are identical in so many ways and Mm -hmm. we even have this name that connects us but like the two different ways that we grew up to be I, yeah. I don't know I didn't mean to go on this tangent no, it's about my fine. dad but, like, it's fine. but it's yeah it's it's something so interesting to me because I think I definitely grew up in a way in spite of my parents mm-hmm. especially being queer I was raised in a very traditionally conservative home that was a whole lot of lot of stuff that I went through that I now am I'm fine with, but I, at the time, it was, it was very challenging to go through. Well, I remember you, um, and, you know, forgive me if I'm overstepping by saying Mm -hmm. this, but I, I remember our first year at UT, 
I specific you you said this maybe a couple times, but I remember specifically one time we were at a Halloween party and you were talking and you said blah blah blah. Yeah, um, like if, when I come out to my parents, like I'm gonna pay for my own college and I'm gonna mm. like I'm basically gonna be disowned. Yeah, um, which was horrific to me. And I remember telling my mom about that. And I don't know if I ever told you this, but I did mm. tell my mom, and I was like, "Mitch is afraid he's gonna be disowned." And my mom was like, "I will adopt him. <laughs> you I will tell take me that." Him and I was okay, like, good. "Your mom is the sweetest person in the world." I have so, and it, like this is something that. I've never spoken to my mom about, but I'm like, I have so many adoptive moms, which says something mm-hmm. about the platonic love that I feel for people because yeah. I have so many friends who, in such a way, we have built such a strong bond that their parents feel something for me in a way that really yeah. touches me. Well, it's also like my mom was sort of like, you know, she sent me to, because oh, I had graduated high school and I had been going to me to community college just because of finances and family stuff. Mm. And my dad passed away the summer after I graduated high school. So I stayed home for a little while. And Mm. the first time that I had ever left home, and I was like the baby of the family, Mm. like cuddling up to my mom every second. Like Mm. my mom is like my favorite human on the face of the planet. And, um, you know, she sent me off to UT knowing that you would be there, (laughs) knowing that I had someone Mm. like if, you know, and she, and of course, I'm always the one who's like, what if I don't make friends? And she always <laughs> tells everyone she meets, and she's told me this before, she's like, yeah, you know, Charlotte could go into the forest and come out with friends. Yeah, you know, yeah. she, like, and it's it's kind of a ridiculous thought in her brain, but I truly was like, what if no one likes me? Yeah, yeah. Um, so going into this whole new environment, it was so great having you, because mm. I was like, even if no one else likes me, like, <laughs> I got Mitch, yeah, and Mitch yeah. and I are solid, and that's Absolutely. just, like, such a strong bond that we yeah. have. Yeah, no, it's something that I think is so special, that, like, you go into new situations with a whole lot of fear and anticipation, but even knowing in the smallest sense you've got somebody in your corner is something mm-hmm. so great. And I remember texting you one night and being like, hey, I know you're, like, going to karaoke with your roommate, <laughs> but if you want to, like... No, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I think in a very roundabout way of everything we've, I, yeah, I, I feel a very strong bond to you and to my friends and, um, like with, with my parents as well. I feel like I'm now in my twenties starting to introspect on my relationship with my parents, yeah. um, in a way that I know that I love them, but I'm kind of picking apart the specifics of how I felt about growing up in a in a casually homophobic home um and it's something that's given me a lot of like a lot of things to think about and a lot of things to write about I think eventually I'm gonna I want to write a script my mom I I texted her and I was like hey if you could do me the biggest favor because my dad I know a long time ago digitized all of our home videos Mm. and I was like we we did too yeah. yeah and I was like if you can send me our home videos from 94 to 2002 and my mom sent all of them to me, and I watched them. And I'm eventually, I, sorry, family. I'm gonna, I, I have an idea for a script that's essentially taking real footage from my home videos of me and putting them to a story that's not directly talking about my upbringing, but talking about the upbringing of a person who doesn't feel, you know, super connected with their family for a reason. Yeah. And I'm gonna have to dub over, like, the home videos with Sam Mitchell, but like. There, there are these fascinating, like, shots of, and this is the film major talking now, but there are <laughs> these fascinating, like, there's an entire home video of me learning how to ride a bike, 
And it's at the beginning of the day, my sister, before my dad is home, trying to get me to ride a bike around my driveway. And she's like, you got to just keep like pedaling. She's like, you keep stopping. You got to keep pedaling. This home video, it's so interesting because it's like the entire day, like Mm -hmm. cutting, obviously. But like by the end of it, like my dad has come home. Everyone kind of was like sitting on the, this is when I lived in Kentucky. We're all sitting on the porch watching Mitch just try to ride a bike (laughs) all day. And eventually like. There's one final one where it's like, okay, Mitch, just go one more time. And you think it's going to be like the big one where I do it. And I kind of get it. And everyone gets excited. And I miss. And my dad goes, um, okay, he's got to take a bath. And my mom goes, well, tell him he did a good job. And it like hit me so hard. Like I was like, fuck. Like that's, it's, it's, I don't know. I've, I've introspected on my childhood a lot and like my relationship with all of my family and my parents and. I got a lot to say about it, and I feel like it doesn't really relate to love. No, it's <laughs> so like, fun. Well, it's, you know, it's, but I feel like you kind of opened up this whole new, mm-hmm. like, love is not just romantic love, and that's kind of what I intended when I started mm-hmm. this, but love can be so many different but things. But at the same time, I would love to spill some tea on the people that <laughs> I romantically loved. That's true. That's very true. One more thing I will just mm-hmm. say. Um, first of all, you're better than me because I still don't know how to write a bike. I never learned. Um, and oh yeah, we talked about. That. Yeah, we've we've. Ta- I feel like that's a fact. I can Every- show you my home videos. It's a pretty good trial. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that it's very interesting because I had. Um, so my dad passed away from a terminal illness when I was eighteen. He had early onset Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and he was diagnosed when I was eleven. But it's funny because I so I have a difficult time going back and watching home videos, and mm-hmm. I love watching them. Because my dad was the youngest of five, so he really didn't have a lot of pictures. He didn't have a lot of videos, so mm-hmm. he made sure he documented so much of our lives when we were younger. Yeah. And um, kind of that moment of you hearing your mom saying, you know, tell me you did a good job. Uh, there was a video of my dad and me, and we were in our house in Connecticut, and I was maybe four or five years old. And um, I was just, like, running around in, like, a big t-shirt because he and I just, like, got up, at, like, way earlier than everyone else did. And we were just, like, running around outside. And he was filming because he's, like, Connecticut's so beautiful. I think he knew we were moving to Texas at this point. Yeah. So he was, like, filming the leaves and stuff. And I said something and, like, ran up the driveway. And he pointed the camera at me and just goes, she is so special. And that is something that has, like, stuck with me in, like, my hardest moments and, like, mm-hmm. my most difficult times of, like... And it has been difficult, obviously, losing my dad, but I kind of remember that love that he showed me and all of that. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, those little... I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Uh, watching those home videos and hearing those things that they probably, you know, said offhandedly, yeah. not yeah. even knowing. There, there, there's so, there are so many things within those home videos that I've seen that I'm like, that's... A, insane little passive moment that mm-hmm. I just witnessed. So we used to, before 9-11, we would go to um, New York every Christmas. We would go like for two or three days right after Christmas. That's so funny because I spent a couple Christmases in New York when I lived in Connecticut. I yeah. wonder if we were ever there at the same time. <laughs> we would always stay at the Marriott Marquis. Um, and there is a video, and this is so random, but there's a video and it's us in our hotel room. With the, you know how in in a hotel you have the sliding glass mirror doors uh-huh. in the closet? Yeah. And we're standing there doing this thing where you oh like make God. it look like you're floating. <laughs> yeah. And it's me doing this thing and I'm like, huh, and I'm like mumbling and doing magic voices as I slide the door so it looks like I'm like moving the door without moving my hand. Uh-huh. And my sister who's filming goes, we're going to watch this in 20 years and go, we were fucking idiots. <laughs> 
and I recorded it and sent it to my family. And, been, and I was like, it's been 19 years since we recorded this. Like, it's so funny. But I, I love the idea of, like, getting a snap. I mean, home videos in that way are the perfect way of getting that kind yeah. of intimacy that you forgot about. And, I mean, those were a goldmine for me in terms of writing. There's stuff of... I mean, you might have seen it. I posted it on my oh, Instagram story. I saw all of them. There's a video of me dancing in a Batman-like oh, costume. My gosh. There's one of like, you, like, you're playing, like, an instrument of some sort. I can't remember. Yeah, there, there was there was a bunch of them. There's one that really struck me, and it's my dad. I was in, when I lived in Kentucky, I had, like, a, um, a pull-in drive through and then, like, a drive-thru. Drive, home, driveway. <laughs> driveway. <laughs> and then there was also a... Um, driveway that went to my garage and I was standing in the driveway and my dad pulls in and right as he pulls in I'm like standing with my arms at my like, <laughs> waist and as the car pulls in like the headlights shine through like the the holes that my arm made oh my and it gosh. was it was such a just moment that I was like wow that was my childhood was, <laughs> powerful yeah, yeah wait yeah. okay but you you want to spill the tea on people I do I do okay I do. so We've so but here's but here's so here's another question I have is there anyone you want to low key curse not like wish death upon not wish anything bad but if you have like a little like I hope this thing like if you have that share it now okay let me think let me think, think about it for a second. Also, another thing I always say on this is trust your drunk brain. Your drunk brain knows best yes, in this situation. that's true. Okay, okay, okay. There, okay, there is one person okay. that I wish the best for in life, mm-hmm. but I really, if he happens to spill his coffee <laughs> on himself. <laughs> like hot coffee? Like, like hot really, Like scalding hot coffee. On himself um, in the future. Um... How am I supposed to curse them? <laughs> you literally just say a sentence of like, I hope this happens to you. Okay. Um, so, um, patient zero, <laughs> you know who you are. If by chance, and it's not my fault, but like, because I know you also live in the same city that I do. <laughs> <laughs> if you happen to go through one of our many drive through Starbucks and... As you're pulling out into traffic, because there's always traffic in LA, you slam on your brakes and you happen to spill hot coffee on yourself. It's not that I wish that to happen to you, but it's also that I don't hope it doesn't happen to you. You wouldn't be pissed if it happened. I wouldn't be mad if you Uh happen to spill scalding hot coffee on your on your on your standards. On your, on your person, your uh-huh. little patient zero. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Hey. To Cheers to cursing. I, I, cursing is a strong word. Cursing is not willing cool. into maybe existence. Uh huh. Well, I always think of cursing as the spirits move and wherever they are in the earth, they're like, "What was if that?" They like to be they in that just Starbucks drive through. Yeah, they just yeah. feel a shift in the universe. Obviously, we never wish death or, like, serious bodily harm on anyone. Absolutely. But if you... Low-key cursing. That's, low-key cursing. It's a thing that works. I mean, because this person, too, has... You were you mm-hmm. were a witness. This person mm-hmm. has reached out to me, too. Um, that was the most surreal moment of my whole life. Yeah. Uh, Mitch sent me a text and said, Do you have this number of this person who just texted me? And I put it into my phone... 
and I and it was well because for context, I always text Charlotte when I don't have a number because I say between the town yeah. we grew up in and the town we went to college in, you probably know everyone I know. Exactly. So if it's someone that is relevant, then we would probably have their number between mm-hmm. the two of us. And so I get a text that's like, "Hey." I know this is random, but I'm in town and wanted to see how you've been doing. It's been a long time. And I was like, hey, Charlotte, who is this? And I definitely did not do the right move here. But I entered the number and it popped. Because I don't delete a lot of phone numbers. Mm -hmm. I only delete phone numbers of people who have like, like past exes people that mm. if if i if i'm at because i'll get drunk and i'll text people and like mm. that's an issue that i have so yeah. i will delete people's numbers so i can't do that yeah so i have saved pretty much if any if anyone hasn't directly wronged me i still have yeah. their number in my phone so i typed it in saw that it was patient zero screenshot of it first okay. sent, you said oh my OMG. god omg <laughs> and i was like charlotte who is it? Because <laughs> I thought I'd be able to send it fast enough to where you wouldn't have that reaction, but I sent OMG, and then you immediately texted me like, who is it, while I was attaching the photo. Um, but yeah, it was patient zero, and we freaked out. Yeah, and then I texted him and was like, oh, hey, how's it going? Sorry, I'm like really busy. I'm volunteering at South by Southwest right now. <laughs> I, yeah, I just saw your text. Um, how's it going? And he was like, good, good. Like, I haven't seen you in a while. And it's like... Yeah, I haven't seen you in a while, too. <laughs> no, we we texted back and forth for a bit, and he was like, we should hang out. And I was like, yeah, definitely, obviously knowing that we probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a funny, funny occurrence. That was, that was a, that's like a decom issue. Like, I feel like that doesn't actually happen in real life, so the fact that that happened to you, I was like, this can't so be I happening. I feel about most of the events that have happened in my life. <laughs> I've honestly lived a very dramatic decom, I would say. Yeah, truly. Truly. How do you feel about the fruit punch for Loco? We've moved on. We we both had watermelon and now we're, we're doing the fruit I'm punch. I'm drunk enough that I can drink the fruit punch. That's, see? Because I originally, so I opened the fruit punch I'm drinking and I'm like, first. it's not that bad, but I'm like, I remember when I was sober, it was bad. Remember when we got Sidewalks Land? I do remember. That was New Year's. We kind of cheated because we didn't do malt liquor, but we did big, big beers. And for Sidewalk Slammers, you got to drink down to the barcode of so, this beer. for example, you, you buy a 40 of a beer. Mm-hmm. You have to drink it down to the barcode on the bottom, and then you fill it up with a four loco and drink uh-huh. that. So we were like, New Year's 2018, let's um, and I remember didn't. taking a sip of it and being like, oh no. And I also got iced twice in 10 minutes. Yeah, that was my... Yeah. Okay, day. one of them was aimed at me, but I found the one Honestly, that wasn't aimed at me all first. of them were aimed at you. <laughs> like, we were like, maybe somebody will find them. Probably Charlotte will find them. <laughs> Just my luck. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, so I took a sip of the Sidewalk Slammer and I was like, oh, I'm in trouble because this tastes fine. Yeah. And that's how I feel about this four loco right now. <laughs> let's, let's. I feel like we've had a lot, like, to, to, to get to. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like we've talked a lot about my, <clears throat> my life and my trauma. <laughs> Um, I feel like we should talk about, uh, I want to dance with somebody. <laughs> okay. So. If you don't want to. Then no, no, we can. I'm okay. like, I'm trying to figure out how to segue into this. So when 
There was a boy, his name was Whitney Houston. Are we calling him Whitney Houston? We could. Do let's you call want him to call, let's call him Whitney Houston. Okay, so this that boy. That was a joke, but let's do it. Yeah, this boy, his name was Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. So, um, there was a person that I, that I honestly think in college I had a very pivotal experience with. I feel like I would not be the person that I am had I not had this experience. Right. It fucking sucked to go through, but I definitely am the person I am today because of this experience. I feel like they probably are the person they are today because of this experience. But I was I was very, very, very close friends with somebody in college, and we were both queer. Very... I can't... Because I don't know what they identify as. We were both not straight. At the well, at the time, did he identify as gay or queer? Gay. Okay, so at, we were so both gay. We we're both. You were both. <laughs> we were both. You were both. Gay. <laughs> You're projecting. Um, no. We were. We were two gay young lads in Austin, Texas, living it up. Um, with a great apartment. With a fantastic apartment. And um, <laughs> I missed my apartment at that time as well. I missed yeah. our apartments that year. That was no, it was something that like when I I told you before I came here, I was listening to music like specific of the time of each of these people, and uh-huh. I definitely went to that moment in my life and was like, that was a moment. Every time I think of sophomore year, I think of you <laughs> on your counter with your yellow blazer from your birthday, thinking or like singing fucking best song ever. Like, yeah. that's with your champagne bottle. Like, that is my epitome of sophomore year. When I, it's weird because when I think of, like, my 21st birthday was, that was my 21st birthday. I had a clueless themed 21st birthday, if anyone Also, I fucking gave away the dress I wore, which was a bad move. Because it was like a, it was, was like a, a red dress. and black plaid dress that had like, uh, what's fucking cute? That was a cute dress. It was cute and I gave it away. I'm an idiot. I, the only thing that I, honestly, I, I. I was really gone for my 21st birthday. The As only you thing, be. yeah, the only thing I really remember is that I had made, I put a lot of, I always do, but I put a lot of effort into the playlist. <laughs> and it was like a clueless themed 90s party. And it was like music was playing, whatever the party was happening. And um, I, I'm such a plebe right now. What's the Nirvana song? The. The uh, Nirvana song. Um, uh, it smells like Teen Spirit. Yes. <laughs> okay. It smells like Teen Spirit came on, and everyone stopped what they were doing and like sang along. And I always will remember it is like everyone stopping for a moment and just singing "Smells Like Teen Spirit," and I was like, "Yes, I did this. Like, <laughs> this is like my making." It was so crazy. It's so funny because Maddie Dennison and I had a moment where uh, Baby got back started playing and people kind of thought it was anaconda and then they mm-hmm. realized it wasn't and it was this was the year of anaconda. yeah because this uh, yeah and so then baby got back got, uh started playing and maddie and i were the only ones who knew all the lyrics to baby <laughs> got back and we're like we know all the lyrics to anaconda and also all the lyrics <laughs> to baby, baby got back we are threats yeah so i'm trying to transition to this person i feel like it's such a person that like, it's when you said we're in it Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston, we're in it. It's so, happening. So, 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 so he so, was so. your roommate, and that's why it was a. It was a this thing. person was my roommate, and it was a very complicated situation. But this person was my roommate, and the reason we're calling him Whitney Houston it was there was one point in which we had a conversation 
where we were, we would smoke a lot and we had we were very stoned and we were talking while Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody was playing, mm-hmm. which one does not talk while Whitney Houston is performing. Yeah. And I had a moment where I stopped and then I was like, dibs on this being my wedding song, as he was like, dibs on this being my wedding song. <laughs> <laughs> and I won. So I like, it was going to be my wedding song and he was really mad. But to this day, like, I Want to Love Somebody by Whitney Houston is my but also, he's not a part of our life anymore. So even he's, if it is his wedding song, he's going to be so far away from us. Fair. Which is fair and true. I don't know how like, how else to... I think, um, looking back on it, it was a person who... It was very complicated in the, like... If, if you're looking at it from a blank slate, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a very awkward situation. Right. And it was a person that I felt very close to as a friend... And we were in a situation where in the rom-com setting, we would have loved each other. Yeah. And made even more complicated by mental health. Mm -hmm. Like, I was... This was the year of my life in which I came out to my family. I, like, addressed that I had mental health issues and went to a therapist that he was going through things and all these things. I realized in the situation that we were in... That I was starting to feel things for him, and he didn't um, reciprocate them. And so I told him, and he explained to me that he didn't feel those things. And I was like, okay, this is fine. I'm glad that I've told you. Mm-hmm. And things were fine for months. Like after we told him, or after I told him that, we collected. Um, <laughs> told him. That I was fine and I handled it and I was I was seeing a therapist at this time and so it was something that I was talking about in the grander scheme of my mental health and my queerness and all these things and there were so many moving parts because it was not necessarily a healthy relationship and um, as things moved on we were getting to the end of like our lease and it was like we had argued at times, but it had been great at times, and so it was really hot or cold right. as how we were feeling. And it was kind of a thing of, like, we didn't know where we were going with the future in a metaphorical sense, but also, like, are we going to live together next year mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, are we... Like, it was it was so hot or cold in every sense of the word, and... We had decided, like, I was going to live by myself. He was going to figure out everything. And we got really, really drunk one night and hooked up. And it was uh, it was such a weird thing of neither of us knew what was going on. It was so spontaneous and quick. And, like, I mean, like, the only word that comes to mind is, like, trigger fire. Like, it was yeah. literally just, like, it happened and it happened and it happened. And... Um, Weirdly enough, every time I hear Run Away With Me by Carly Rae Jepsen, I remember you telling me that this happened in my mail room over the summer, and I had blue and pink hair, and we had just gotten back from the clubs, and it's just like, it's it's something that like plays in my mind. But that's that's where I was in that mindset too, uh-huh. so for context, like, we, this, this had happened, is we had, um, he and I had had this kind of spontaneous, drunken connection whatever we'd hooked up and the next night or or the next day our friend had come in town so i remember we knew this friend was coming in town 
we had hooked up. Literally, the friend is knocking on the door, and I'm getting out of his bed naked and running to my room as he goes to put on clothes and, like, unlocks the door. And is like, hey, how's it going? And I, like, had faked that I had just woken up, and it was a whole thing. And this was a friend who came to town to, like, want to go party and drink and stuff. So we Uh went out that night, and you came with us, and... Mm -hmm. At one point, you need to go check your mail or, like, go get clothes or something. Yeah, I think I needed... Yeah, I needed to go get... Well, because I was like, I'm not going to stay over because I don't have contact solution and clothes to sleep over. And you were like, we'll stop at your place and get all of those things. And while you were getting those things, I was like, hey, casual FYI, this happened. Uh Uh-huh. And I died. Yeah. I died a thousand times. Yeah. It was was a loaded situation. Mm -hmm. I think... In the, in in my drunken mind state, the thing that I'm looking on is, like, that was something that was so, this is where I've, like, blurred the line between platonic and romantic feelings, mm-hmm. and it's something where I'm really feeling out who I want mm-hmm. in life. Like, who do I want as a friend, and who do I want as a lover, and this was a learning experience for me, because we, me and this person were not compatible in this way yeah but we kind of like both felt something and both acted on it and it wasn't fully right but we knew that but we were still doing it it was it was so messy but it was both of us figuring it out but that's so incredible because there have been times where I've talked to friends where we've kind of brought up the idea of if you know something's not going to work out in the long run, if you know you're not going to, like, and especially for women, I guess that this is a a big thing of, Mm -hmm. if you know you're not going to marry this person, why would you waste your time with them? Mm -hmm. But it's, but I think that everyone, you learn things from everybody that you're with Mm -hmm. and everyone you get involved with. It's kind of a question of, can you get away with dating someone for an extended period of time that you don't see a future with Mm -hmm. just if that means you know having fun with them for now if you Mm. see kind of a doomed future with them do you stay with them or do you let them go kind of early Mm. and that's kind of a big question that that I think about and and I think that other women especially think about and I mean as as a queer man you kind of probably have a different opinion of that or maybe a different viewpoint of that but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it might be more of a finite state because I don't, I don't think of myself in the grand scheme very often, if I'm being really real. Yeah. I, um. Be really real. I'm gonna be, like, really, really Honestly, real. Honestly, if you're just, like, really real right yeah, now, I'm I just really like, If I'm being, like, really, really real. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, in that moment, it was something that living through that, I, I can still feel the feeling of like tightness in my chest and the shiver of anticipation and all these things like I can remember the exact moment of questioning and wondering and going for it and the weirdness and all these things and it's something that for me I still will I I don't know I'll probably think through for a while because it's something that I'm going to piece through for a really long time and it's something I think I had to have Mm-hmm. Um, to really discover who I was, who I was going to be, right. and at the time, I think there was a lot of insecurity of who I was at the moment and who that person represented to me. And 
I think I think I'm better for it in the grand scheme, and I think that's a very politically correct answer. <laughs> is what I was gonna say. Um. So I have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Where does your heartbreak live physically in your body? Because you said something about kind of feeling a tightness in your chest and, mm-hmm. you know, feeling mm-hmm. these. So I'm just wondering. I, okay. I feel like I feel heartbreak in my joints. I feel like when something really, really breaks me, I can't support myself. Mm-hmm. And it's like my knees give out my elbows my like every like the things that hold me together don't have the strength to do so and so I can't the moments in which I have been really 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 broken have been lying on a bed or lying on a couch like I can't articulate better than that I know that's that's fine though because I've I've mentioned before in this podcast that mine is kind of like a shooting up and down my arms Mm -hmm. like I feel it the most in my arms so I think that it's interesting you talk about it in your joints because it's kind of a similar thing Mm -hmm. similar but different where you kind of can't support yourself but mine is just like a Mm. it's like a constant like a shooting it's kind of an anxiety almost where it's shooting up and down my arms um, and I, and I think it's so interesting because a lot of people do feel kind of that pain in their, in their core and their, mm-hmm. you know, stomach or something, but I've, I've always kind of felt it in my extremities and I feel like you kind of feel that as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I feel like it's, maybe it's a personification of my support system, but I feel mm-hmm. like when I really had like the rug pulled out from under me, it's always been like a feeling of, I can't lean on my own strength. I have mm-hmm. to like crumble. So now that we've talked about all of this, uh, what would you say your favorite uh, love song and your favorite breakup song are? I'm trying to think of the songs that make me feel like I'm falling in love and the songs that make me feel like I'm falling out of love. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, the first one that comes to mind, and this is a song that's been like, this was the first song that I learned to play on guitar, and this was Aww. like all these things. And it's also my favorite band was the only exception by Paramore. Oh, and that's, that's sweet. Yeah, and it's a song of like, it's Haley Williams talking about how like her parents divorced and she never learned how to learn to love, but like you are the only exception, and that was mm-hmm. the first song that I learned to play, and it was a very easy song to play on guitar, and I feel like that's the easiest song to say here is that that's how I fell in love but at the same time like a weird 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 part of me says that and I, I kind of talked to you about this beforehand but the song Levels by Avicii mm-hmm. like it's a techno song and it's so upbeat but to me when I listened to that song and it was the first time that I'd listened to it in years it brought me back to like my junior year, I was with all these people who were older than me, and therefore they knew better than me. Right. And we were drinking, and we were having fun, and it just, like, it brought me back to a time of, like, carelessness, of, like, this is life, I am in somebody else's hands, like, this is it. And so part of me feels a sense of, like, letting yourself go right. to that song. I, I've kind of discovered a new love song as this has gone on, but I've been listening to uh, 
jukebox ghost when the nights get long mm-hmm. more uh so that i think that because i think that the first time i i gave a love song it was silver hair by boom forest but the thing that kind of you know makes me really feel like i don't know i i think that at this point i'm sort of looking for love songs that i personally relate to like i mm-hmm. i i don't really like very specific love songs mm-hmm. um when I first heard, and I truly do love this song, but uh, All Too Well by Taylor Swift, when mm. I first listened to it, I thought it was too specific. Mm. I'm looking for love songs or breakup songs that everyone can relate to, so I can relate to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right now it's Jukebox the Ghost, When the Nights Get Long. Um, and so I really, really like that one. But uh, what about your what about your breakup song? Okay. This is a weird one, and it's because... I was wanting it to be a lot of things while actively trying to make it not a lot of things. Okay. Um, but I was dating this guy, Carr. We'll call him Carr. We're calling him Carr. Um, and Lord's album, Melodrama, came out. Mm-hmm. And I was, I felt a lot of things about that album because I had just been dating this guy, Camper. <laughs> and um, the most ridiculous way I have to look at. Okay, camper. I see it. I see I, it. I had been dating this guy, camper, and had experienced a lot of things very quickly in a very pivotal time in my life. Mm-hmm. So me and Carr had been dating, and there is a song on Lord's album. Well, so Lord's album melodrama had come yes. out while I was dating this guy, and. I am very big on, like, not letting... So, like. Wait, sorry. Well, you were dating Car or Camper? Car. Okay, cool. <laughs> the lead single of the album had come out while I was da- dating Camper. But the album <laughs> but came the out album while you were dating, was dating Car. Car. Right. But I had expressed the importance of the album, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited about this album for years. So I was like, I don't want a specific feeling or relationship or person to change the feeling that I have about this album because I've been so excited about it for so Uh long. Yeah. And the album comes out and I'm listening to it or whatever and I'm thinking that I'm experiencing it independently of everything Mm -hmm. that's happening to me but little do I know that it's happening concurrently with everything that I'm feeling about everything. Isn't that the shittiest thing? Is right. Even if you don't actually realize that right. it is happening at the same time as certain emotions and feelings. Yeah. And like you look, you don't know how you're going to look back on it exactly. until you're looking back on it. Exactly. Yeah. And so I was thinking that I was feeling all the things in one hand, but at the same time I was listening to this album on my phone at like a, like a different <laughs> differently mm-hmm. um i was thinking that it was happening happening separately and me and this guy car broke <laughs> up and i love just like the flip of pages <laughs> into the microphone <laughs> let me just look it up me and car broke up of my own accord i broke up with him mm-hmm. and was separating myself from this experience and one day randomly decided to listen to this album and I listened to the song Supercut and it's the entire thing of like everything about this person playing in a supercut whatever and I wasn't feeling that like I wasn't experiencing a supercut of me with that person Mm -hmm. but I was experiencing 
the feeling of explaining how important that was to that person. Like, I had validated this album to that person. So I was like, no, this song makes me feel so many things because of this. And then looking back at the song, hearing it, all I could think about was how I had explained it to that person and been like, listen, this song means so much to me because of this. So it's a long-winded way of saying that Supercut by Lord makes me think of this person, Carr, because um, I'd explained to him how emotionally heavy of a song it was to me. So hearing that song still makes me think of that relationship, even though that album means so much to me. Mm-hmm. I can't separate it from that person anymore, which is something that I'm still like reconciling with because I love that album. But anytime I hear it, I think of that person. Right. It's frustrating. And I kind of feel the same thing because whenever I think of uh, Derek... I think of 1989 and vice versa, obviously. When I listen to 1989, I just remember, it's not that I associate every song with him, Mm -hmm. but Clean is something that I associate with him so strongly that it Mm -hmm. kind of resonates throughout the whole album. And I remember right when it came out, I was listening to it very much around that time. So like, even if song certain songs, I, I kind of relate Clean to him most and then maybe a style, like mm-hmm. second mm-hmm. to that. But even so, after every song I listen to from that album, it just reminds me of that time period mm-hmm. and kind of like the feeling that I was feeling around him. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, I know that I personally... I take, like, a long time to get over people because mm-hmm. I kind of... The people that I have feelings for are few and far between. Mm-hmm. So I kind of associate a lot and a lot of the passing time with a certain person. So so it's hard for me to not attribute albums or, mm-hmm. you know, certain mm-hmm. songs of that time to a specific person. So I completely mm-hmm. understand where you're coming from where even if you, you love an album so much that you don't really want to associate anyone with it... Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of just happens naturally. Mm-hmm. I know that of the Lord album, one of my friends pulled up to my apartment to pick me up to go and get dinner, and she was like, "I have to play Rider in the Dark for you because I feel like Lord wrote that like for you." Dude, same. Anytime I hear Rider in the Dark, I'm like, "Sorry, everyone I've ever loved." Uh-huh. Like, this isn't at like DM to you, me being like. But that's, and I also feel like uh, artists and writers, and you and I are both um, writers, and I feel like we write very much of our own experience. Mm-hmm. I feel like we write a lot of the people that we've been involved with, and it's mm-hmm. not necessarily, and I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like even people who aren't necessarily, uh, maybe this is a bad word to use, but, you know, important, there are people who are important without mattering so much you know Mm -hmm. does that make sense where it's kind of like someone was important to me but in the the grand scheme of things they don't actually like mean a significant you know because we always kind of pivotal to you but like it wasn't yeah yeah, where we kind of take from our experience and and i've Mm -hmm. said this before where i feel like kind of my uh my actions are misconstrued a little bit because just because i feel i feel a lot of things i experience a lot of things i like to draw from a lot of things Mm -hmm. and that doesn't necessarily mean you know, I was 
in love with a person or I want to take too much from a yeah, person, yeah. but I kind of take all of but my experiences. you felt something and, from that experience, so you are naturally going to draw from it. Yeah. yeah, and I think that as an artist, that's just something that we all kind of do. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't want to be written about or sang about or acted about or, you know, don't whatever. date me. Yeah, <laughs> get involved with an artist. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big mood. Uh-huh. That's a big mood. That's Hashtag a big people mood. on Tinder and or Bimble. 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 Who has had two four logos? Oh. I have had These folks. We have. These um, folks. Don't, don't yeah, date me on Bimble. Um. <laughs> we're, two, we're two four logos in. Are you still on Grinder? Just a question. I'm not on Grinder. I have had. I have never had Grinder for more than 24 hours. That's interesting. Yes. I, um, Every time I download it, I get really scared. <laughs> uh, Tinder is the thing that scares me. Mm-hmm. I'll download Bumble. Um, there was a hot second where I was truly, like, about Bumble, and mm-hmm. I play it more as a game. Like, if I can't sleep, I'll, I'll like, go mm-hmm. through Bumble and be like, there are a few people who live around me. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's so hard to tell, uh, like, good qualities about a person from their picture. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's mm-hmm. hard when mm-hmm. you're on a dating app, you're kind of, uh, on your best you're, behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And so it's very, very hard. And I'll, I'll, I'll often, like, look at profiles and be like, eh, okay, and then I'll match and then and obviously, like, like uh, and then I'm like, I don't know, yeah. I wasn't even about it in yeah, the first yeah, yeah. place. Uh, but the problem is, if you download Bumble and then delete Bumble and then download it again, they're straight up like, we're not going to show you the best Bumble people. They're like, if you down, because they think that people who delete it and re-download it immediately are just like looking for new matches and I'm like no I'm just like going through shit in my own life (laughs) I'm processing a (laughs) lot like honestly I'm like emotional what I've never heard of that before yeah 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 so if you if you delete it and then re-download it it won't show you the same people so it's it's interesting it's definitely interesting um Bumble Boy who is someone I've talked about on Mm -hmm. this podcast a lot who was my first Bumble date ever and who I dated for about a month. I haven't seen him on Bumble again, even though I deleted it and, like, mm-hmm. re-downloaded it. And, like, maybe part of me is sort of like, I would like to see what your profile looks like now. Yeah. But also, I don't know if Bumble's just, like, not showing me that or if it's, I don't know. Because he lives, he lives in North Hollywood. I mean, He's I'm very close to kind me. of the same with Camper. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Camper on Bumble or Tinder since he and I had been a thing. So I'm like, okay, are you seeing somebody now? Or is it just that I haven't seen? I've thought, like, have you blocked me? Or Mm -hmm. are you seeing someone and you deleted your profile? Yeah. Like, that's kind of, yeah, no, you're kind of a natural thought. And it's not, I don't think you want to get back with Camper and I don't want to get back with Bumble Boy, but it's just kind of a, it's sort of a curiosity. Am I going to see you kind of thing? Yeah. No, it's very, it's, mm, dating in LA is... Uh-huh. Uh, to fire. Uh-huh. Well, I can't even imagine because I'm a I'm a straight girl looking for men dating. Oh, he's taking such a long drink. Uh, I'm a straight girl looking for men in LA and you are a queer boy looking for anybody. The, anybody? Yeah? Anybody. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, I, I would Always say... Always gotta get it approved before yeah. I say it, just to make sure. No, the interesting thing about dating in LA that I have found 
is when I first started dating, it was like, um, there are all these people who are interesting and I want to get to know more about them, all these things, blah, blah, blah. For some reason, maybe it was just that I had like the initial inspiration myself or, or drive to whatever. But I recently have only really experienced people who are networking for the sake of networking or kind of trying to get to know people for the sake of like, I don't know, I haven't made any clear connections recently. Right, yeah. And it's something that I've gone on dates recently and we've talked and chatted and past what we've chatted, I'm like, I have no interest in getting to know you. Mm-hmm. So something about LA... There are diamonds in the rough who are so interesting and some, like, different people that I want to get to know so much about, and I mean that romantically and platonically and friendship-wise and romantic-wise and all these things, but there are also people who are just out there and they're hot (laughs) and they are beautiful or they are, like, superficially interesting, and I chat with them and it's like you chat with them for two minutes and they're boring, or... You chat with them for two weeks, and they're boring. Or you chat with them for a month and a half, and they're boring. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, it's like the people in the city are so interesting until they're not. That's, I exactly, yeah. I feel the exact same way too, where I think that people are very interesting for what they do and not necessarily who they are. Because yes. I, and I have mentioned this before, there was a specific Netflix original series where I was watching it and I was like, why does that actor look so familiar? And I Mm -hmm. looked him up and I realized it was someone I had been talking to on Bumble, Mm -hmm. but he'd been so boring and couldn't hold a conversation. So I stopped talking to him and you always kind of look for, and I I mean, maybe this is just me. I look for creative brains and I look Mm -hmm. for actors or writers or, you know, so I'm kind of attracted to these people who are like, oh, I'm an, I'm an actor. Oh, I'm doing this or Mm -hmm. I'm doing that. And then you talk to them and they're so boring. Boring. They're They're so boring. And this is also me. I've told Jordan this before. Jordan shares a room with me, but I'll be on Bumble before we go to bed. (laughs) Mitch just pointed to her bed. Uh, I'll be on Bumble before we go to bed, and I'll say, you know what's so funny? When I was in Austin, and there was a model who showed me his, like, like showed all his model pictures, I'd be like, oh, he's catfishing me. But in LA, I'm like, fuck, models, like, fucking live here. He's a boring model (laughs) who lives here, and it's so fucking annoying. So I... I always swipe left on models because I'm like, we probably have nothing in common. Yeah, no, it's it's something that, like, especially in the gay community, I don't know if it's, like, something of, like, there, there are many beautiful queer people, but, like, so many of them, I feel like either they want to be beautiful or they want to be, I, I don't know, there's so much projection mm-hmm. that I swipe left on so many people because I only swipe right on people who appear within their biography of being somebody worth talking to. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I I want to have a have a connection with you, not just physically, but beyond the physical aspect of it of like we connect. 
On like a personal level? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what, are your, what are your automatic swipe lifts? Because mine are no bio, mm-hmm. uh, fishing picture, hunting picture, picture with a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it. Picture with a gun, picture with the deer. Picture with the fish. Those are my automatic swipe lines. Okay, so we're, we're, it's all hunting yes, or fishing. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and then mine is also no bio, where it's like if I can't kind of do a little funny thing related mm-hmm, to your bio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, but if we get deeper into bios, it's like grammatical error in a bio. Mm. Uh, oh my god, fucking. Uh, mine is one picture. If it's just no, one picture, swipe, swipe left. Um, mine is, I don't know how to pronounce it because I've never said it out loud. It's either sapiosexual or sapiosexual. 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 Okay. Yeah. It's the people that are like sapiosexual. I'm like, yeah. fuck you. You're an asshole. Yeah, 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 yeah. There if you don't know what sapiosexual who... means, look it up. Read a book. Um, <laughs> no, the, <laughs> but it's like there are people who are actually that, but there are people who misconstrue it to what. Whatever they I feel like people who are just like, oh, I like smart. I feel like sapiosexual is probably the easiest to misconstrue. I feel yeah. like sapiosexual and demisexual yeah. are the two that are like, let's just throw that out there. Yeah, I have opinions on all those things that I'm not going to say because mm-hmm. I feel like they're a work in progress. Okay. Yeah, no, but I feel like single pictures because I feel like you're putting yourself out there, but you don't want any... You you just want to see what's out there, mm-hmm. but you're not trying to feel any rejection. Any, I mean, any like concept of internalized homophobia or toxic oh, masculinity. God. It's immediate, like swipe left. Like I don't want to deal with any kind of like lady boy or like into like like mask for mask or anything like that. Like anytime that's addressed, I'm like. You know what's funny? I came across a guy who had his profile, and at the end, like the last sentence, he said MAGA, like he said M A G A. And I got so mad. Exactly, but I I got so mad because I was like, if you're going to support that, fucking say it in words. Say, like, Trump supporter. Or make America great again. Don't try to sneak it into this fucking code name of MAGA or MAGA or whatever. Don't fucking try to sneak that. Like, whatever. If you're gonna, if you're gonna proclaim that, then do it. Yeah, yeah. Say it loud and proud so I can swipe left and be like, you're a douchebag, you know? But don't try to sneak it into the end. That, that's what really pissed me off. Yeah. Or people who try to like, not or, but like mm-hmm. and people who try to, especially within the queer community, who try to just like internalize their own their own issues within the queer community yeah. of like issues with within like men who love men of femininity or I I, I can't articulate well enough. That's fine. You're love drunk. That's I, fine. I'm love drunk. <laughs> He's but it's love like drunk. The, like, the idea of men who are comfortable with whatever until it comes to issues of femininity within identity or internalized homophobia. Like, it's... There are so many people who have such nuanced issues with... <laughs> Burp. Um, Burp. There, there are people who have issues with 
connection between people when it comes to sexuality or gender identity that it becomes very nuanced and it doesn't have to be but I'm like you're kind of being in a Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. No, I understand that. But it's like there are also people who surprise you. I don't know. I, I had this one guy, <laughs> and this is a tangent, but I had this one guy who was like, hey, you're super cute on Instagram. Uh-huh. He slid into your DMs. He slid into the DMs. Uh-huh. And his aesthetic was super cute. Mm-hmm. And he, like, was into art galleries. Uh, and like, hey. Yeah, right, right. Hey. Right. Um, he, he was essentially a woke bay. Like, he was... Oh, my God. <laughs> no, he was like, I am of these issues, and I believe these certain things, and also I regularly go If to your these. bay isn't woke, don't settle for him. Right, Like, right. that's the issue here. But he was like, I regularly go to these, um, galleries, and mm-hmm. I have these opinions, and these are the, like, small scene queer zines that I support and all this stuff and I was like I love you (laughs) and um like we got together and um I think because of circumstance like I it was also when I was starting to talk to (laughs) car Uh, I was starting to talk to car and I met this person queer zine person where I was like, fuck, everything about you is cool, but I'm dating Car. It's a nuance of, like, this person is very interesting, and they are articulating a kind of existence beyond myself. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm drunk rambling, but, like... No, it's fine. That's the point of love drunk. Yeah. You're supposed to be yeah, drunk rambling. Yeah. That's why I started this podcast. <laughs> there are people in... Houston, Texas, who are doing the real shit. I will say, specifically, beyond Austin, Austin is the cool, like, hipster place. Houston, Texas is where the real queer scene is happening. Don't tell Natalie. She'll never let us live it down. Sorry, Natalie. (laughs) But, like, there are people in Houston, Texas who are doing real queer, like, art shows and music shows and all these things. That I have experienced, but I haven't gotten to really see firsthand, and I did get to from people that I was talking to. But in general, like, the queer scene in Texas is really popping, and like, yeah, and I don't think people realize that, but maybe we do because we're, I mean, you and I are experiencing the Texas queer scene very first person. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, queer things in Texas are popping. Queer things in Texas are popping. Popping. Which honestly, but it's it's good to bring up because I feel like even in the most recent years, it hasn't been. Mm-hmm. But like the the more it happened, and I feel like um, living in Austin, we have also been more privileged to that than yeah, than yeah, a yeah. lot of other people. But let me just finish up by asking you, mm-hmm. Mitchell Allison, what does love feel like? Um, (laughs) love feels like, okay, love feels like, and you have to forgive me, because I'm, in a a way, paraphrasing Greta Gerwig, Nora (laughs) Bumblebee film, Um, but love feels like when you are in a room full of people, and there is somebody across the room that you make eyes with 
and anything could be happening around you. But for the two of you, you're smiling at each other. And anything and everything could happen. But for the two of you, you feel that connection. And I'm I'm not articulating it as well as I would like to. Right, of course. But it's the idea that in a million people, you and one person in that moment are on the same wavelength. And years from now, you and that person couldn't even speak the same language. But in that moment, you did. It's the idea that in that moment, you were so on the same level that... You had a kind of shorthand? You had a shorthand, yes. It's the idea that within a million people, you could say everything and nothing within half a second, but two seconds later, it's gone. That's my that's my shorthand. That's my shorthand for everything. That's that, the most beautiful thing. I love it, and I appreciate it. And Mitch, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Of course, and thank you for sharing your heart and your love. And uh, I'm Charlotte Rose. This is Mitch Allison. <laughs> and we're here on Love Drunk. And... Be loved and stay drunk, my friends. Be loved and stay drunk. Stay so drunk. <laughs> stay so drunk. Uh, <laughs> but don't drink for a look. No, don't do it. That was a bad. That was a bad <laughs> idea. That was so hard. <laughs> okay, I love you. Good night.